Hello, I'm Amanda Lynch Foster, and welcome to this podcast from the Caribbean Development Bank, where we discuss the issues and ideas which can advance the region's development agenda. In this episode, we're tuning in to CDB's 51st annual meeting, which was held virtually this year, for insights on innovation and resilience. New CDB President, Dr. Jean Leon, in his inaugural annual meeting address to the Board of Governors, outlined his recommended framework for how the Caribbean can drive progress in innovation through KIDS, which stands for Knowledge, Innovation Diagnostics and Strategies. Let's listen in. So at the core, I believe that sustainable and inclusive growth requires resilience, period. Because sustainable livelihoods are founded on the principles of stable ecosystems, resilience, therefore, as I define it, needs to be interpreted broadly to include resilience in social development, and that will include health and education, resilience in institutional capacity, Resilience in the environment, that includes markets and nature in terms of disasters and hazards. Resilience to external shocks, trade shocks, spillovers. And by extension, resilience in the integration of all these on macro outcomes. It is only when we have resilience will we be able to sustain any momentum in growth. And the very easy way to see this is, I can only keep a plane flying, and that is how I can sustain it. Anything that allows that plane to crash, it means I don't have that resilience. I'm not able to keep the plane up. And that's exactly where we are in our economies. We need to build resilience that can buffer that can recover from shocks that hit us. If we cannot do that, there is no way we can be sustainable. We can grow, but it will not be sustained. And therefore, at the core, at the heart of all of our efforts to promote growth has to be building resilience, but not one type of resilience, resilience in all of its forms. We talk a lot about climate resilience, I'll come to this, but that is only one element of resilience. So let's uh, continue here. The pace and state of development in the region, as I see it now, is rooted in its low resilience. For example, to global shocks and natural hazard events. The transmission of such shocks is often acute and protracted, because of the high level of export concentration that characterizes the region. The main source of this export concentration is a lack of competitiveness that leaves countries specializing in exports that rely largely on natural endowments. By increasing productivity and reducing costs or introducing new products or product varieties, Innovation, therefore, promotes export diversification. This export diversification generates resilience by reducing the susceptibility of national output to the fortunes of one or two industries. 
Resilience, however, can only be built, can only be sustained if we can innovate. And that is where we bring in innovation into the picture. So to repeat, resilience requires innovation. So we can summarize this by saying, eliminating poverty, advancing standards of living, delivering equitable prosperity by ensuring that no one is left behind will therefore depend critically on our ability to innovate. So what exactly is innovation? Innovation describes the development and application of ideas and technologies that improve goods and services or make the production more efficient. I want to underscore here that innovation ultimately depends not only on inventors, a common myth that innovation is always an only invention. It does not depend only on inventors, but equally, equally on the creativity of potential users of new technology to find new ways to put existing concepts and ideas to productive use. This is the type of innovation we would like to foster. This is the type of innovation we need to embrace because inventions come once in a lifetime. This type of innovation we can do every day. And by doing it every day, we can help build resilience and therefore provide the foundation on which we can actually grow economies. So the role of innovation as a driver of economic prosperity is well established. So I, I don't want to take any credit for this. This is well known. Uh, why do I say that? Both neoclassical growth and endogenous growth theories have emphasized technological advancement of which innovation is a critical part. One of the hallmarks of innovation is its ability to utilize limited resources to expand production possibility frontiers, resulting ultimately in higher levels of outputs, a concept which should be particularly attractive to and be embraced by the Caribbean given the scarce resource endowments that we have. Now, given that we do have a rationale for innovation, what can be called healthy innovation? And we have a term for this. We'll say that we have a healthy innovation ecosystem, underlying ecosystem, because it is all combined. A healthy innovation ecosystem is one that incorporates the many aspects of resilience that I mentioned earlier. For example, the Global Innovation Index includes institutional features such as the regulatory environment, the environment within which human capital is created and research and development is undertaken, information and communications infrastructure, 
the quality, size, and sophistication of markets, and the level of business sophistication. All of those, all of those define a healthy innovation ecosystem. All of those define resilience that we need to proceed on. And therefore, all of those deserve our attention if we are to build resilience through the medium of innovation. So while I do not intend to dwell on every aspect of resilience and the innovation nexus that it is linked to, the same principles that I've outlined above will apply in general. And I will below talk a little more on specific aspects of innovation that I think we should be focused on. So to begin, innovation can be operationalized. So we've talked of the need for innovation. We've talked of the organizational and healthy ecosystem of innovation. So we want to move one step further and say, how do we operationalize um, innovation? And I say we can do this through a framework or process that I have labeled kids. Knowledge for K, innovation diagnostics, I and D, and strategies for S. Now, this is important to understand this as a process, but it is a process that is so encompassing that it can be applied in any of the spheres of innovation resilience that we have spoken about before. But I want to walk you through one, what it means and how it can be applied in the specific area of innovation in education. So the kids process is first and foremost flexible and outcome based. It is agile. It can be applied at the firm, the sector, or the economy-wide level. It can leverage strategic international partnerships. It can foster the development of institutional capacity. And it can promote backward and forward linkages. So at one stroke, it can do all of the things that we are saying we are missing, um, but as a process to be applied. So therefore, as a tool, it is bounded only by the imagination of our people, only by the imagination of our people. And it has the potential to create what I would like to call the industrialization of knowledge. What do I mean by industrialization of knowledge? The use of knowledge to create industries. In the same way that we can use capital, we can use inventions, we can use labor to create industries. So it's the industrialization of knowledge. Kids operates in three interacting phases, each of which can be used separately or together to create high value added segments of the supply chain. And therefore, it has the potential to unlock economic diversification. As an illustration, application of knowledge accumulation, that's the key part of kids, which is gathering, organizing, refining, and disseminating of information 
that principle can be used to spawn products, industries in searching, scanning, classification, and archiving technologies and products. Now you just think of all of those I've talked about, how we can utilize those just to do the idea of the knowledge accumulation. Second, the innovation diagnostics, the I and the D in kids, fosters discovery fosters discovery by establishing a synthesis of success factors from the accumulated knowledge. I just want to stop here for a little. I want to repeat this. We have collated information, stored it, classified it, organized it. And now we want to pull from it, create value from it. The creation of value now is what can we do with that knowledge that we have already accumulated and we can sift, we can draw, we can pull out success factors, why these were successful, issues that arose, why they arose. And now we can use those to move to another level. But it also provides us at that stage where we are just in the discovery phase, and my legal friends will understand discovery. While we are in the discovery phase, what we can do is we can use the issue of partnerships. Partnerships in tertiary institutions, not just in the region, globally. And those partnerships now can be used to promote centers of excellence. If we can move into centers of excellence, why can't we horizontally integrate this into knowledge tourism? All in the quest for discovery. But that discovery is promoting, it's spawning another set of industries based on the concept of knowledge. But now we don't have to end there. We've accumulated, we have discovered, we know what is a success factor or set of success factors, we can now take it to the next stage, the S in kids, strategies. We can now mold strategies, transform the synthesized knowledge that we have to create market-specific viable business propositions. And those business propositions that now come out of, based on the knowledge we've accumulated, on the discovery of the success factors that now can be channeled into strategies of viable businesses, we don't even need to do it ourselves. Why can't we sell it? We can sell it at home. We can sell it regionally. We can sell it globally. We don't have to hug it. We can share to grow. We can sell it and let somebody else do it. We have the patent and we can simply proceed to the next item. And guess, guess the big story here. We do not have any shortage, no shortage, because the entire global space now is our playground, the playground of the infinite supply of knowledge. It is only now how do we manage, how do we manipulate that knowledge by accumulating it, discovering it, and creating strategies from it. And that is what I'm referring to in the industrialization of knowledge. 
I can, we can create industries that is at the high value added level that can proceed and leverage our educational acumen as a people and transform the region into a different space that can be a global player in almost any topic that we so choose. Now, why am I so confident about this? I am confident because I dare say that as a people, as a people, we do not have a comparative disadvantage in generating knowledge. We do not have a comparative disadvantage. We can say we have a disadvantage in natural resources. We have a disadvantage in size. We have a disadvantage maybe in technology. But in the ability to generate knowledge as a people, we do not have a comparative disadvantage. And if we do not have a comparative disadvantage, we can start from a level playing field and we can excel. We can do just as well as anybody else. So given we do not have that comparative disadvantage, we can take this concept of kids and we can apply it. And as I said, we can apply it in a modular way on one of the three phases, but we can apply it in any field of interest. And especially now, given digital technologies that we have, I say we can tap into the infinite supply of global knowledge. And the infinite supply of global knowledge uh, is very reminiscent to the Sarafa Lewis, our first president's notion of unlimited supplies of labor. You recall it was the unlimited supplies of labor that drove the industrialization from agriculture into manufacturing, into the urban cities. Here we are saying, let's use the infinite supply of knowledge, transform it into industries, industrialization of a higher level that we can actually use. And we can harness in doing so, as I said, the unbounded imagination of our people. So it's important to note that this absence of comparative disadvantage that I spoke to requires that our education systems need to promote and promote even more learning processes that are based on inquiry, discovery, and problem solving. In other words, we have to rethink, remap how we teach, how we learn, in our school systems, because we have to be in the mode where we can take, we can discover, we can create. So that is why the education system needs to move into that particular line. And therefore, I propose as well today for the region, a long-term investment focus on innovation in education. And that will build squarely in the zone of social resilience. So having recognized then the importance of innovation, how do we create an appropriate environment for promoting and sustaining innovation in the region? We have some experience that we can talk about. Global experience suggests that those countries 
that create a healthy environment for innovation. Remember, I talked of healthy innovation ecosystems. Mm -hmm. The countries that create a healthy environment for innovation are more prosperous and more resilient. Such countries include Switzerland, Sweden, and Finland, to name a few. But it is not limited only to large countries. Small states such as Singapore, which consistently has been among the top 10 innovative states, are also consistent high performers that demonstrate the strong link between innovation, resilient economic growth, and development. So much like the recently published Cornwall Consensus that identified roles for the G7 governments in fostering a climate of inclusion and innovation that was just done recently, Caribbean governments are called upon today to cultivate a regulatory environment that encourages entrepreneurship and innovation, because this is the platform that we need to build. There is need for a financial system with sufficient depth to accommodate appropriate levels of risk-taking, education systems that place value on critical innovative thinking and reward students accordingly, and a Caribbean society that embraces a culture of creative disruption. We cannot be willing to innovate and not be willing to fail. We cannot be willing to innovate and not be willing to take risk. We cannot be willing to innovate and to simply sit back and think we can get there in one step short. I believe that a critical weakness in the environment for innovation that we will need to address is the issue of individual market size. Okay, we've talked a lot about small sizes. Is that a limit to innovation? My sense is that successive generations of regional leaders have recognized this, and they have endeavored to create first the Caribbean community and common market, and subsequently the CARICOM single market and economy. So I'd like to equally say to you today that if we are to deliver on the post-COVID acceleration that is required to achieve the SDGs, we must spare no effort in completing the full establishment of the CSME. No effort should be spared. We need to take the CSME to completion. Let me further state that it is not only about creating a larger market. I introduced this concept because of size. It's not only about creating a larger market to facilitate scale. It is also about partnering with the private and other non-public sectors to co-create markets and institutions aimed at achieving a common purpose. Recall when I started, I said, let's assume we have a consensus. Having that consensus allows us to then call and bring together the collaboration needed 
between the public and the non-public sectors. And it is only working together to that common purpose will we end the public sector not trusting the private sector, the private sector not trusting the public sector, and the two are at loggerheads with each other, thinking that they are doing things of their own. It is a common purpose. The common purpose is the growth and development, the welfare of our people. And if we can work together in that frame, then we will get past a very large problem we have in not having collaboration in innovation. So it is this investing in and harnessing of regional public goods that will create an enabling ecosystem for innovation.